chapter 4, beginning verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, in all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, there is one Spirit, just as also you were called, one hope you're calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. Father, help us to hear uh, amazing text, and yet, Father, uh, convicting, convicting text, and yet, Father, it is for our strengthening, for our edification, that we may help brothers and sisters walk in a manner worthy of our high calling. In Christ's name. I call this the lowly walk of our high position. And we've been looking at this for a time now. We saw that in verse 1 is the call of the worthy walk. I dealt with two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, one of the things that we struggle with as Christians, especially when he states there in verse 2, that all humility... All right, so that that means just what it says. It doesn't really matter what part of my life it is. Everything in my life is all humility. All right, but one of the things that we have and, and that we deal with in this day and age uh, with so many Bible studies and Bible study systems and things like that, that we have abilities to twist the Scripture to what we want it to say. This is born out of what, you know as topical preaching. Topical preaching in and of itself is not wrong. The problem is is that too many people are taking a topic that they have in their head and go find a scripture that says what they want it to say. And you can get yourself in a lot of trouble doing that. Another way of using scripture is using it for my own advantage, to my own end. How can I make a profit out of it? I read that letter from Pastor Philip, and he says there are men who will come into the big cities where they can gain money, but they're not going to take the gospel to the slums because there's no money there. I watched this happen right after the collapse of the Soviet Union. All of the charismatics rolled into Russia with signs and wonders, but the Russians understood signs and wonders as signs and wonders. And, and they would have these great rallies and say, okay, we're going to do a healing. Okay, and they, they would have 150, 200,000 people show up, but they were dragging along their crippled kids, parents who were dying of cancer and all the rest of it. And the guy would do the infamous, you got a headache, it's now gone. You got a backache, it's now gone and all the rest of it. And riots broke out. And so that's when they passed the law in Russia that said that uh, you do this, you get the bill for fixing it. So it stopped. Because they told the Russians they were going to have these miracles. The Russians wanted miracles. 
Okay? So you see that there are people who will use the Scripture for their own end. The the third thing that I shared, and I gave you a bunch, but one of the things is that we have an ability of just reading it and not obeying it. And that gets tough. So in verse 2, when he says, with all humility, what is he saying? Your worthy walk has got to be with all humility. Last week I laid the foundation, we started moving into it. And then it says, with all humility, and the New American Standard translates it gentleness. Some translation calls it meekness. Right? The word is protos in the, in the original language, and it means uh, a gentle spirit. It, it means somebody who's friendly. All right, and it so back and forth. I'll use the term because some of your translations will say meekness, and some of your translations will say gentleness. It's still the same, but I want you to understand some. All humility, its product is what meekness, gentleness. Okay, I shared with you last week James chapter three verse thirteen. Those who wish to be wise should be what gentle, gentle. Because verse 17 of that same chapter says, wisdom is from where? Above. Above. Okay. All right. Now, I laid you a little thing last week so I could get you to come back. That this is not the absence of anger. Okay. Paul told Timothy to fight the good fight. Okay. If I look at meekness and gentleness... Is that not a great characteristic of the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay. If you look at how we take in this word protos and we give a definition to it. I've read this many times from many great men of God. And it literally means power under control. Power under control. Okay. When we have all humility... All right. Uh, the opposite side of that same coin is that self is emptied. There's nothing in there about self anymore. Now then, does Christ fit that? It was not about him. When I think about all humility, uh, I think that it's, it's not interested in me. It's not interested in my success. I'm not interested in my fame. I'm not interested in my reputation. I was reading Linsky on this text, and he says, it's divested self of self. That's why he was a professor and I wasn't. Because I had to read that like three times. What did he say? Okay, but it's not about us anymore. That's all humility. That is what produces protos. Calvin put it this way, it is a product of a broken will, brokenness before God. Okay? I I, I likened it, that there was a a video I saw, and and the caption line on it was, women shopping and men shopping. Okay? And it it starts out in the video, and and you see these wildebeest, 
hundreds and hundreds running and running and running. I mean, just incredible amount of, and this lioness is laying in the grass and she'd get, and she'd move a little bit and she'd stop and she'd move a little bit and she'd stop and she'd move a little bit. And then, you know, you watch this for a couple of minutes and then all of a sudden this male lion comes running through and just nails one. (laughs) And I was like, oh, there's a lot of truth to that. Should I use that illustration? Why I'm using that illustration is that meekness is not the destruction of the lion. It is the taming of the lion. Okay? All of that strength, all of that power is there. All of that energy is there. But it is under control of a new master. Okay? It's the training of that master. Remember what I gave you? It's been three weeks ago, I guess it was. Nine temptations of pride. You've got to look at that. You do. Okay? You don't need to say, well, I'm going to look at that in you. No. Because then you just flunk number three. All right? You have to look at it yourself. Because remember what we came out of chapter three in? We are strengthened where? In the inner man. When you're strengthened in the inner man, you step into all humility. And you have victory now over those nine temptations of pride. But that lion is still in each of us. Okay? But that lion no longer seeks its own gain. That lion no longer seeks its own causes. That lion no longer runs free to accomplish its own ends. But now, that lion is submissive to the control of the master. Okay, please. Meekness, gentleness is not losing its power. Okay, it's harnessing its power. <laughs> I looked at secular Greek and, and what it speaks of this. They would never use this term to speak of an individual unless they believed that they were a coward. But they would speak of this, of a cult. And if you look at a cult, they run wild with power. They're out of control. I remember helping a lady up off of... Uh, where the heck Wolfenberger Road? She raised these. They're really pretty, pretty horses. But what I've learned is pretty horses tend to be really stupid. And so she asked me to take this little colt and had a halter on it into this big arena. <laughs> I felt like I was <laughs> on a, some kind of windmill thing because it was just <laughs> running around. And I had a vial of rope, and I was thinking, why in the world would? But it wasn't broke, and it was an idiot, but it was a pretty idiot. And and when you look at a colt, the power is there, but if you really look at it, it doesn't really serve a purpose, right? Okay, when its power is brought under control, then it is used for a purpose. Okay, listen, the wind blows in a hurricane, right? But what is its purpose? It destroys things. But if you have a gentle breeze, you can move a windmill and irrigate a field. Or irrigate your livestock. Or you can move a ship. 
power under control. When the power is under control, it is useful. Electricity is power. When it's out of control, you weld with it. Okay? But when it's under control, you got lights and all this other stuff. I guess if you're a good welder, you can do it. But every time I've used electricity in the raw form to weld, I just melted things. So I remember a guy had one of them great big long screwdrivers about that long Shaft is about as big as my little finger. He stuck it in a meter box. There was a direct short in it, and it became an awl. <laughs> it was about that long. And his hair was on fire. I had to roll him around on the ground and put him out and says, I think you found the problem. <laughs> so, anyway. Listen, believers, you are indwelt by the lion of the tribe of Judah. All right. Let me tell you something about the lion of the tribe of Judah. It can roar. It can react. To use the lion analogy, it can pounce. But only on the plan of the one who rules it. And that would be the Lord Christ Jesus himself. Okay? Listen. This word, meekness or gentleness, is not indifference. Okay, it is not cowardice. You would never say that Jesus was indifferent. You would never say that he was a coward. You would never say he was weak. All right? You would not say that the Lord Jesus Christ was fearful. None of those definitions fit this word, and yet we are called to it. You have the right to be angry. Later on in this very chapter, verse 26, it says, Be angry, and yet do not sin. Alright? It's alright to be angry, but do not sin. There is a certain anger that is not sin. You know what it is? I do. It's the right kind of anger. See, that wasn't so hard, now was it? Anger for the right reason. There's anger for the wrong reason. One is power under control. One is power out of control. Okay? Very simple, very easy. Bible knows of this. It speaks of it. I'll give you two quick ones on it. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. Like a city that is broken into and without walls. All right? That's a defenseless city. All right? Anybody wants to do whatever they want to it. Why? Is the man who has no control over his spirit. Got that? You're like a city without walls. Out of control spirit. When you have an out of control spirit, then you have power out of control. It's vulnerable. It falls into every temptation. Falls into every pit. Falls into every weakness. Falls into every failure. Because they have no rule over their spirit. 
Anger gets out of control. When the anger gets out of control, guess what? There is no meekness. But if you go to Proverbs 16, verse 32, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than the he who captures a city. See? That's the difference. Power under control. A person who rules his spirit. Go back to chapter 3. What does it say? Be strengthened in the inner man through the power of the Holy Spirit. When that happens, guess what? There is all humility and there is gentleness because the power is under control. It has been harnessed. Now listen. The spirit is there. Okay? The power is there. The, the lion is there. The energy is there, but it is under control. See, when it's out of control, the spirit and the power of the lion, it's energy, it's all there, but it's out of control. And if you look at that, it's easy to spot because the person who has not got their spirit under control is chaotic and sinful. All right? You've seen them. Every one of you have seen them. Do you ever run into them people who are angry about everything or anything? All right? The energy is there, but it's out of control. That person knows nothing of meekness. Find that interesting. Meek people control their energy. Meek people control their strength. They will roar. They will pounce. But they do it when it is divine intervention. And that's the only time. Strengthen the inner man. And the power of the Holy Spirit is anger under the control of who? God. Okay? That is a meek person. Take the line that is in each of us and submit it to the Lord of hosts, to God Almighty. Okay? Which brings me to how this looks. Get angry about that which offends God. Not me. Not you. If it offends you, poor little thing. I'll pat you on your head. I'm sorry that that offends you. If it offends God, I'm roaring. Okay? The lion will roar in defense of God. The lion will not in defense of self. John Bunyan said it this way, quote, He who is already lying down needs fear no fall. Unquote. There's nothing of self. Nothing of self. But will roar when God is maligned. 
That is holy indignation. That is holy righteous anger. That's the only time. The only time. That it's required. Meekness, gentleness. Is that quiet spirit. Nothing defensive about it. There's nothing retaliatory about it. There is no vengeance in it. There is no self-seeking in it. I guarantee you, those of us in this congregation who get angry, 99% of the time, it's about self. That's not meekness. That tells me that the humility problem has not been resolved. Okay? When God is dishonored, that spirit stands and roars, and it'll flex its power if necessary. Okay? Holy anger is always under the control of God. And it reacts. But it reacts at the right time. It reacts at the right purpose. And it reacts to the right length of time. Jesus was meek and lowly, right? Zechariah 9, 9 said, He was meek and lowly, and he will enter the city on the colt of a donkey. Just something about a conqueror coming in on the colt of a donkey seems odd to me. All right? Jesus was quiet. Jesus was also very calm. Remember, he falls asleep in front of the boat, storm raging outside, and everybody's freaking out, and he's taking a nap. All right? If you're really honest with his ministry, he avoided conflict. He never went out to pick fights. Peter said that when he was reviled, he reviled not. When he was persecuted, he did not retaliate. He had a very quiet... And a very meek spirit. But let me tell you something about the same Jesus. When God was dishonored, he walked into the temple, wove together some cords to make a whip, and he expressed his lion. And what a chaos that would have been. Uh, it talks about the money changers. Okay, You couldn't do anything in the temple unless you used this shekel. So you would come in with your Greek money, your Assyrian money, your Roman money, and all the rest of it. So you'd have to exchange it Okay, at quite the exchange rate. So you would have these men with stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of money. And he comes in and turns them all over. You have made my father's house a den of thieves. And it is a house of prayer. That meek and quiet spirit said, get out of my house. Get out of my father's house. Listen, when you look at Jesus' ministry, 
whether it was with the Samaritans, whether it was with the Gentiles, whether it was with the common Jewish people, his spirit was dealing with those people. He was meek and he was quiet. He was not judgmental. He did not bring rebuke upon them. Not even the tax collectors. But when he confronted the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, who were the spiritual leaders, and their lives and their teachings blasphemed his father, he called them a bunch of whitewashed tombs. Pretty on the outside, dead on the inside. You are nothing but a den of vipers. That's the same meek and lowly Jesus. Now listen, I want you to get a note on this. Next week I'll give you some other people that I can show this about. But Jesus never spoke or retaliated against those who had done anything to him. Did you get that? Only those who maligned the Father. That he retaliated against. In First Peter. Chapter 2. I want you to think about this. Beginning in verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you what? An example. For you to follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while he was reviled, he did not revile or return while suffering. He uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Did you get that? Follow his steps. He was given as what? As an example, and yet he made this same Jesus had a whip in the temple and he cleaned it out because it was defiling the father's house. But think about this. When his own temple was defiled, what was his response? Forgive them, father, for they know not what they do. And yet they were shortchanging people with the money changers and selling acceptable sacrificial animals at a great price in the father's house. And he made a mess of that. That's serious meekness, brothers and sisters. That's a gentleness. That is a power that is under control. That is the epitome of total selflessness. I am here to do my Father's work. I have not come to be served, but to serve. You think about that. Because when we get mad, we get mad because somebody has wronged us. I think about, as I go through these things, I think of my my years in ministry and all the things that were said about me and have been said about me. Now, I've been called the Antichrist. It's funny. I can go, I was called 
<laughs> the Antichrist by one group <laughs> and a Pharisee by the other group. And you're sitting there going, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't think you can do both of those. <laughs> I mean, you know. Uh, so, you know, and I think about it and I think, whatever. Whatever. Think about the things that people have said to try to hurt you. Think about the things that people have done to hurt you. Can't be angry about it. But if it comes to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, time to pounce. Jesus never reacted against that which came against him. Never. But he did react swiftly against that that came against the Father. I'll close with this and I'll let you think about this. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, it's interesting that I'm in these areas at this time of the season. He leaves the other room, he crosses the kid run, he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay, he asks his disciples, hey, stay awake, pray with me. Of course they don't. They said he had a troubled spirit. So he goes off three different times. And he prays, and they said he prayed so hard that his capillaries in his forehead started breaking through under the stress, and he was sweating as if drops of blood. It is possible. I imagine under the stress that he was under, highly probable. Okay? And then they seen the torches. You'd have seen the torches, probably close to 150 to 200 soldiers with the priest. You could see them come down off the hill from the Temple Mount, and they come down through the little valley across the Kidron, then up the hill to the garden. He knew what was going on. Peter decides he's going to give Malchi, a servant, a haircut. Misses. He says, you know what? I have the power to call upon my father for 12 legion of angels. Now, my numbers aren't that specific with that because depending on whether you were a Roman looking at the legions, it tended to be higher than if you were an enemy, it tended to be lower. But my conservative numbers is that would be just short of about 75,000 angels. Okay? One angel in the Old Testament in a moment killed 185,000 Assyrians. 75,000 angels would have made a mess. And he said, with one word to my father, I can have 75,000 angels. But not in defense of myself. Protoss, power under control. Jesus would fight when it came to those who would shame his father. He never even brought a word of retaliation against those who attacked him. Even when they had a mock trial, even when they murdered him, the only man who was ever truly innocent 
They murdered. And his response to them was, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's gentleness, brothers and sisters. But understand, it is only produced in all humility. Okay? Let us pray. Father, we come before you. As Paul has shown us, I pray that each and every one of us that are here would be strengthened in the inner man by the power of your Holy Spirit. That, Father, every one of us here would understand that it is through that power that Christ will dwell in us at home and that we would understand the love that surpasses knowledge and that we would understand the fullness of God and we would rejoice as we would be able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ever dream or imagine. Father, this lowly calling for our high position takes your power. So help each of us, Lord. Help each of us in all humility and gentleness. Bear testimony of the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Christ's name, amen.